Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and this week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, look back at a WWE Extreme Rules event that didn't seem to have much extreme in it at all. However, the finish to the Roman Reigns Demon Finn Balor match had everyone talking, some for the right reasons, some for the not so great. We'll look back at that and dissect the finish. Also, doesn't it seem a lifetime ago, but Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson from AEW Grand Slam is being talked about by some as the best match of the year so far. We'll look back at a two-night supercard event for AEW that fans are still buzzing about. Raw's on the rise thanks to Big E as champion, we'll talk about that. A gimmick that may be one to forget for Keith Lee, best and worst gimmick matches, some brilliant fantasy booking for next year, and something very unexpected is going all the way back to developmental. All of that coming up right now on Earning the Push. I thought it was four hours of really, 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 really good wrestling, but then there was a half hour of some of the best wrestling I've ever seen. To go, we're going to open the show with the match you all want with Danielson versus Omega. And I said it on Twitter, dream matches never, ever deliver. They're too hyped. Think uh, Nakamura styles at WrestleMania 34. There is too much hype around that. Even if you have a good match, you can't deliver on the hype. And somehow, Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson delivered on the hype and more. They were just phenomenal, weren't they? Genuinely phenomenal. From the moment that show started, and I think you can tell as a wrestling fan in the UK how excited you are by how much you're willing to tolerate spoilers. I don't know a single wrestling fan who didn't stay off social media to avoid the spoilers. And I got up early, turned on the television, and if that... 40 minutes from the opening of AEW Grand Slam to the end of that match doesn't get you excited about wrestling. I don't know what will, because that is it. They did this amazing thing, and Bully Ray said it much better than I ever could, and I've shared it on social media. If you haven't seen the clip, go and watch him talking on um, Bust Open about this. With half an hour of wrestling, they did this amazing thing where they made me think, in a half-hour match, I haven't seen enough of those two wrestling each other. I need more. I need 60 minutes. I need a no time limit. I need something like, I don't like screwy finishes, but the draw made perfect sense. And I know they definitely could have, and we spoke about it, announced the time a bit louder or put the clock on the screen. But actually, I think not doing it, the more I've thought about it, it was a bit of a genius move because that half hour flew by. And actually, until about a minute to go, when I heard them say one minute remaining, the thought of a draw hadn't even crossed my mind. So I wasn't, whereas if that time then you see it clocking down below five, below three, you're like, oh, this could be a time draw. That didn't cross our minds. We were just enjoying the wrestling. And then we got that finish. And now we need more. And I tell you what we didn't have. We didn't have multiple false finishes. We didn't have multiple dives. We didn't have all the traditional bells and whistles, which are associated with the quote, AEW style. What we got was really, really interesting storytelling, working a body part, picking someone over, playing to the crowd. It was almost old school in a way. Yeah, it was, it changed and it? it transitioned like through the match from old school, more maybe brutal and systematic wrestling to those last two minutes were just non-stop. Went in. I can't think of a spot that hasn't involved weapons, that hasn't involved high-risk dives, things like that that made me go, oh, profanity, more than that snapdragon on the ramp. Oh, my 
God, that was horrible, but brilliant. But look, brutal. I had a conversation with, I've got to start remembering people's names on Twitter. Someone on Twitter <laughs> who was saying he really didn't enjoy it and didn't like seeing uh, Brian Danielson take these bumps because of his head and because of his past history. And it's a very good point because we all know Danielson's history with concussion. We all know we almost lost him to the wrestling world forever. When you watch him do his flying headbutts or anything where he takes a rough landing on his head and neck, it's worrying. But all I all I can say from being in a sporting industry and thinking about it is there are people whose job it is to assess that and decide whether he can do these things who are much more qualified than us. And don't for a second, especially with the family he has, don't for a second think he'd be doing things that it wasn't safe for him to do, is all I'd say on that. So that's what I have to remind myself when I'm watching is he has been assessed. This is safe. This is as safe as it can be. There's always risk to anything. But he's no more at risk than other people doing that. But oh, it was a brutal spot, wasn't it? It, it really was. And the way AEW shot it from Kenny Omega missing that kick, swinging over the top, it just it was just perfection. And I loved going on social media, and maybe we're in a bit of an echo chamber given the folks we follow, but just hearing the wrestling world to a person going, loved it, loved everything about it. And that's so, so rare to get. It was a masterclass. It really, really was. And I love that Punk just came out straight after and was like, well, I'm glad I'm not following that. I'm glad well, I'm not wrestling tonight. But he did follow it. And the, the one thing I would stay, say is that the crowd was, was almost dead. for No, dead's too strong. They weren't dead for him. He got a great reaction. But you could tell they were absolutely shattered. I mean, how does anything follow that? And is, is there an argument that that should have gone at the end purely because anything that came after it was was never ever going to match it. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And I think when we see them on pay-per-view, there is no doubt they'll be closing the pay-per-view. No doubt. I think it was just um Ada were trying to grab the attention again. Look, we're going first with this. And I, I quite enjoyed it. It's brilliant, wasn't it? And I said this to you, I said on social media, I'm now convinced you can forget your tennis. I'm convinced our flash stadium was built for wrestling. That place, with how steep it is. Everyone just felt on top of it. 20,000 people felt they were in the room. It was, it was just amazing to see. And we've said before, the fact it's happening at all is so unlikely. The whole show really, really delivered for me. I thought Ruby Soho and Britt Baker had a great main event. Sting at 62, 63 looked fantastic. FTR looked like they were having the time of their life bumping about for him. The second night I really enjoyed as well. I thought AEW set out their stall, said we're going big, and then they met even the highest of expectations. They did. They did. It was excellent. Two nights of brilliant wrestling, and we saw poor Arn Anderson fall over. <laughs> well, and and... Cody's going to have to go heel, isn't he? I mean, they're, they're laying the Has groundwork. Has to. Has to. Like, even if that's not the plan, the fans are not having him as anything but someone they can boo. And the story's there. The story's there, isn't it? It's, I, try, I built this thing for you. I'm the founder of this. This is my this is my empire. This is my baby. Why don't you love me? But if you don't love me, then screw you. And he starts just booking himself into things. It's it's a authority-style story, but with a different play because he's one the part owners. It's a... It doesn't seem to be too difficult a story to get where we can properly boom. Let's not forget, Cody Rhodes is a brilliant heel when he plays heel. He is excellent at that. And Malachi Black was fantastic and, and over as well. Um, do we have to now accept for any doubters who might be looking at AEW thinking at some point they're going to run out of road? They are a new promotion. Who knows when things go wrong? 
AEW's here now. I can't see what knocks AEW away. I think they're just here for the long haul now. And yeah, they're two years old. Yes, they're a startup. I think that I don't think there's anything that's going to take them out. They they are here. I, I would agree with that. They're here. They have far too talented a roster. They have far too big a fan base already to not be. The one thing we haven't seen is them go through a tough period, and it happens to everyone. It happens to oh, everything. Hold on, they point. went through a whole pandemic. Okay, a tough period when others are thriving, let me say. A period when we haven't seen WWE be brilliant, which we forget WWE can be. WWE absolutely can be brilliant and AEW not be. And how that happens, there's still the excitement around. There's still the um, shiny new toy, to, to be honest. But what I would say is I absolutely agree they're here for the long haul. I think they are excellent. I think the way the business is done seems to be very good. Tony Khan's clearly a very good businessman you look at. It's not like it's the only big business he owns. He owns Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham Football Club. The man knows how to run big sporting businesses. They have the talent. They have the money. They have the fan base. Yeah, they're not They're not a flash in the pan. And they've got somewhere else to go when the world opens up. They can expand. They can go bigger. They can do stadiums. I think what I enjoyed is I was wrong. We didn't see Bray Wyatt turn up last time. As, as I, was, I was so confident we'd come on this show and I'd be like Mystic Murley, I'd have predicted it. But what I think is really interesting is this was a solid wrestling show. It wasn't like All Out where we saw a big surprise. They didn't load it up with new roster additions. This was, here's what we've got. We're laying out our stool. Yeah, they just went, we've got this amazing roster, now watch them wrestle. And we all went, yep, okay, we'll do that, because they're brilliant at wrestling. So, and that that that's the challenge you said, isn't it, is now balancing that roster. They've got so much talent in there, and so many already um, established stars in the wrestling world. It's how you balance the time, how you balance the egos, how you balance the demands. There's, there's new challenges afoot for AEW that they maybe haven't had before. WWE goes to pay-per-view with Extreme Rules, what were your thoughts on that show? Because there is only one thing and one thing only that people are talking about coming out of Extreme Rules, and it's probably the last two minutes of the main event, The Demon, and what was going on there. As a whole, I thought it was a pretty good show. I thought it was a very decent pay-per-view. I haven't got too much... Too many, remember, what one could play would be, there was only one gimmick match at Extreme Rules, which just don't, don't call it Extreme Rules there. Just, that confuses me. Um, but that aside, yeah, what I don't, I think I kind of loved it. I think I kind of the heartbeat thing and him. You described it as him popping up as a demon, was like when the Undertaker would sit up. I think I kind of liked the spooky booky nonsense again a little bit. The one thing that confused me was that fall. I said this to you on text. That fall from the top rope. First of all, the top rope snapping was just strange. That fall is much less of a fall, much less impactful than taking a superplex or taking a bump through a table or taking even missing a suicide dive off the top rope like, or a flying headbutt. It's not as impactful as that. And that seemed to rock him so much that he ate a spear and he was beaten. So that, that was my only complaint. I don't mind some sort of weird malfunction costing him because it does protect him. And my God, he's protected. He took on all three. He took on the whole bloodline pretty much and was winning. Like, they protected him. Just the ending was was a bit, oh, I didn't hate it because it was creative, it was new and it was different and it, it achieved everything it needed to and it protected Pimbala, I think genuinely it did, and it kept the title on Roman Reigns. So Adam on socials has been in touch and says, uh, I've caught up with this. 
I don't mind the finish as long as we get an actual story behind why this happened and that potentially leads Finn off in a different direction. I read the results before I saw them. I was expecting to hate it. I really was expecting to hate it. As I saw it play out, I quite enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy the weird flip-flopping on the floor. I get he was trying to do a heartbeat spasm type thing, but he just looked like he was on a bank, like he was a, a fish out of water. And then I loved that he hulked up and I thought, I'm going with this and the crowd's loving this and this is fantastic. And then, do you know in Family Guy, do you watch Family Guy? You sort of, I do. Where Peter Griffin trips over and hurts his shin and just goes, ah, ah. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that's a very, very, very good comparison. It was just like, he's going for it. Finn's going to, ah, falling off the rope. And oh. I just thought, if you're going to bring these bells and whistles and get the fans into this, you can't have him lose to, to that sort of bump. Do it in a different match or do it at a different time. Because now we know that whenever that music goes off, and they'll get a huge pop when they do that again, it's not going to lead to anything. The rope could explode. And also, when the rope went, why did the lights go? And why did the music stop? What, like, I don't understand that. These are strange malfunctions. What was happening backstage WWE that affects the music, the lights, and the ropes all at once? What, how, are they, how are they rigging things up there? Yeah, I, I, that's, I, I so wanted to love every aspect of it. And they had me, and then they just lost me but it was different and i'm always going to endorse different good and this was different good for me and it shows that finn balor's over absolutely finn balor's massively over it's what as ever in wrestling we're never happy are we it's what happens next it's what they do next like roman's off to face brock which is fine it was more than fine i'm very excited for that what where does finn go because do you because the, the demon's so interesting because he can't cast demon every friday night you can't do that do you well, just hold that thought. Why can't he do it every night? That's the other, the slight issue I have with the demon. It would be like if you were rugby player Charlie Beckett and then you had this next gear they you could click into, your coach would go, well, just click into that gear every week, Charlie. So... Yeah, well, this is where I think they've missed it. If you, if you followed Finn's career before he was in WWE over in New Japan, they had the folklore behind him of every time he tapped in to become the demon, it ate a little bit away at Finn Balor. And like, it's it's spooky nonsense. Like, you've got to embrace it. It's wrestling mental nonsense. But Finn has this ability to tap into the demon persona, which takes him to this different place and makes him more dangerous, more brutal. But every time he does it, he finds it harder to come back. Almost like when Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk. That's the easiest way I think you compare it is he can choose to do it. And then that's the different. And sometimes the demon can take over like the Hulk does with Bruce Banner. But every time he goes, he finds it hard to come back. And if you tell that story in WWE, if you give that folk that law behind it, I think then it's understandable of, well, he can't do it every week because he wants to stay happy, go lucky, at times. He wants to stay nice. And then you can slowly watch him become the takeover. Like, in other ways, like with Venom and Eddie Brock, there's loads of superhero comparisons to have here. The, the way to do it is there. There are two huge Marvel properties that do it in the Hulk and Venom. I think you I think you can tell that story. I think it's a fascinating story to tell. And it's something that isn't happening anywhere else. Like you say, they're not in competition. AW and WWE are in competition now. There are two big players back in the back in the arena. That's a story AW can't tell. That's a story no one else can tell. You've got a unique story here because of this character Finn's created before he came to you. And it's amazing that he's thought this up and created this character. I think it's unbelievable. 
Yeah. And also in WWE, now uh, Alexa Bliss seems to be going in a different direction. Now there's no Alistair Black. Now there's no Bray Wyatt. Finn has that whole spooky lane to himself. There's no, okay, Finn does this, but Bray does this kind of sort of also. He's got that world just for him. I like Adam Pacitti on social media. who says the best, the story you have to tell here is that Finn's hefty penis broke the top, the top rope. And I just thought... Uh, there's a certain there's a certain portion of the audience that would go in very much for that I mean, story. I mean, I'm 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 a heterosexual man, but you cannot you cannot not appreciate first of all the body of Finn Balor and how much work it does that. But also, you've got to say as a man how impressive it is in those tight trunks. They leave little <laughs> to the imagination, and I think we're all jealous. I'm going to say it. So you know what? If you want to tell that story, you've got the um, you've got the base ingredients you need to tell it. I think there. <laughs> Base ingredients is probably not the right phrase to use here. Um, let's move swiftly on. The rest of Extreme Rules, I actually thought there's nothing extreme about it. It was basically WWE presents normal rules with a bit of extreme. But for what it was, there was a lot of good stuff in that. The opening six-man tag, I enjoyed Becky against Bianca with Sasha Banks coming back. I just sort of wish it wasn't a pay-per-view. If you'd have done what AEW had done and made two great tv shows out of it i don't think people would feel as bleh about it they do it with nxt mm. they give tv shows um halloween havoc or the great american bash they've thrown their pay-per-view names onto nxt shows and now now and again they'll do one they'll do like a raw super show or they'll do a raw legends or something like that but it'd be interesting if it's some of the wwe do embrace because it works well for aw if it gets a little bit more hype around their weekly tv show without the full ex expectation of pay-per-view quality. You get one, you probably throw one match on there that's a pay-per-view quality match, and then a little bit more of it, a few exciting things, people are going to be happy, whereas you wouldn't get that with a pay-per-view, they expect more. And the model's changed, hasn't it? Uh, WWE trying to drive people towards Peacock, 495 in the USA. Um, they don't need to be putting on pay-per-views every month. Um, I wonder whether we'll see them change it. Uh, Scott said, I feel a little bit blur about the whole Extreme Rules show. Uh, it was very underwhelming. Um, the card was super weak for a full-on pay-per-view. Also, the thing with Alexa having that foaming tablet um, and then showing it in a close-up wasn't great. I think that's just one of those things that happens in live TV. Even for WWE, as great as they are, sometimes things happen. Yeah, sometimes you just get a split second wrong. It doesn't look great. It happens, doesn't it? I'm really loving how Big E is developing as oh. WWE champion. Now, we knew he would, but it's great to see it. And actually, to give credit to Monday Night Raw, it seems to be finding a little bit of a groove. Yeah, Raw is a lot better. Now, it's not tough to be a lot better than Monday Night Raw has been. That's the first thing. They set the bar low. But Raw is a decent wrestling show at the moment. That's the best I can say. It's not, I don't hate it. I don't love it. There are bits I really enjoy. There are bits I don't enjoy. Whereas four or five weeks ago, Raw was a struggle, a real struggle. It is getting better. <sighs> We're going to have to talk about the Bearcat, aren't we? Yes. Let's talk about Keith Bearcat Lee. You can, you can start us off on this. I texted you this morning and I said, oh, we're going to have to talk about this, aren't we? And you went and Googled what a bear cat is. And I don't think that's something Vince McMahon's done. No. I think Vince McMahon's gone, oh, a bear cat sounds good. That sounds like a dangerous animal. But Jack, would you like to read what a bear cat is? 
So a bear cat, for people who don't know, um, I said to Charlie, it looks like a raccoon that spent the night in a bus shelter um, drinking cider. A bear cat, according to Wikipedia, is also known as a binaturong. It's a native to South and North America. They have them at zoos across the USA. Um, it is the only living species of the genus Articitus. It's sort of like a big, weird cat skunk thing. It doesn't bring Keith Lee to mind instantly no i think you want it to be like a sort of like a saber-toothed cat from back in the day but even like has bear claws or something but no it's it's like a drunk skunk it's just also why are we changing his name why are we doing that he's he's keith lee it's why are we doing that and how as this before came now how long before he's just known as bear cat because they love that wwe just give him one name give him one name matt riddle riddle that's better so Keith Lee will just be Bearcat soon, and I'm going to laugh every time. Yeah, but uh, and and I, I don't know what the thought is on it. And you hear often that WWE likes to brand things so they're nice and simple, easy to merchandise, easy for kids to grasp. Is someone really going to go, well, I didn't like Keith Lee before, but now I know he's named after a mammal that eats earthworms and insects. I'm all in on this guy. I mean, I don't get the logic. No, nor do I, nor do I. But sorry, that just came down. Going back to it, Big E's brilliant, isn't it? Because yeah. I can't talk about the bear cap for too long. Big E is excellent. It's like we all knew he'd be a brilliant WWE champ. We knew he was a champ, WWE champ in the wings, waiting in the wings for five years. But I don't think any of us could have thought just how great he'd be. And suddenly Drew McIntyre's back in the WWE title fold and it feels fresh and it feels like it makes sense. And Big E has made Drew suddenly feel the best he has in probably six months. And that's that's when champions are great, when challenges come and you get more excited about them because of the champion they're facing. So, yeah, I'm all in on Big E as WWE champion. We've got the draft coming up. Does that matter? Given what we see in terms of crossover, people going here and there, the draft, it used to be one of my favourite nights of the year. Before they started doing the weird thing where you win matches and you get random picks, when it was a proper draft, that was brilliant. Does it matter as much anymore? They normally make it out like it matters loads and that normally matters for about eight weeks and then someone needs to do something on the other show and they just pop up and then it stops mattering. So I will not, I will not uh, invest too much in what happens in the draft. It's a shame, isn't it? Because some of my favourite wrestling memories were when you would have Raw and SmackDown and they just didn't touch and then you'd get the moment where Stone Cold would go to get his truck back off Brock Lesnar or there'd be an invasion. And even recently when we had... We wouldn't have had Becky Lynch as Becky Lynch had the SmackDown roster not invaded Raw. I mean, the draft split can be made to matter. I think it's probably less so now because they've got actual competition. I think it's more WWE, AEW, isn't it, than Raw SmackDown. So um, I retweeted it as well, Eric Bischoff's tweet um, saying, you see the best of Vince McMahon when there's competition, and boy, now there is competition. And I think it is just an exciting time to be a wrestling fan because... WWE have to up their game because the moment AEW have got all the attention, they've got all the attraction. They are they are the exciting thing in wrestling right now, and that momentum's growing. They're not going away, as you said earlier. So it's really exciting to see what WWE do in response. Two more tidbits before we get on some fantasy booking. Um, we have to mention our favourite interviewer, Stone Cold Steve Austin, is back with Seth Rollins on the Broken Skull Sessions, making news with Seth's talk about that. 
god-awful Hell in a Cell finish from 2019 where it ended in a DQ and how mad Seth was after that, saying he wanted to strangle Vince. That may, I'd like to see that happen, that match, because I think Vince, I still reckon Vince in an actual fight would beat most of his wrestlers. He's a oh. scary man. He's a scary man. Um, but no, but it's, it's nice to hear, isn't it, that actually we were all that outraged, but so was Seth. And you know what? I bet Bray was as well. Like, I think sometimes we forget that these wrestlers are employees, that they have to do what their boss says. And mm. most of us don't like doing what our boss says a lot of the time. So whether they like it or not, they can petition the boss as much as they want. They can say what they want. They can as much they can argue that this is a bad idea. At the end of the day, there is a boss and he has the final, the final say. So whether you like it or not, you have to go and do it. So it's quite refreshing to hear that actually. He knew that was rubbish when he was doing it. He hated it. He knew what was going to happen. But he's an employee of WWE. He's got to go and do it. Well, he's a fan as well. He knows WWE. He knows what Hell in a Cell is. He knows it shouldn't end that way. But the boss, there's one man in WWE. He calls the shots. He pays your money. You have to do it. Social media of the week is surely MJF's parents. And the <laughs> sign they had for Grand Slam. Now, we'll keep this clean. But essentially, they said, uh, we're MJF's parents. And even we hate him. And MJF said, and I'll keep it clean. Get lost, mum and dad, essentially. Yeah. Bri- brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Um, yeah, he said that in a less lovely way. Yeah, the um, the whole Friedman family just seem to be brilliant, don't they? Just brilliant. Best wrestling parents since the Mrs. Dad? Yeah, got to be, got to be, got to be. The Mrs. Dad throwing down with anyone who disrespects his son. Yeah, just brilliant work. He's just such a great heel. He's a future AW champion, isn't he? He's just too good. Let me just jump in here to say, if you like what we do here, don't be shy. Tell people about us. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Share the love on social media. Tell another wrestling fan about what we do on this show and get them involved. It takes 30 seconds to do and makes your life so much easier. Let's get on to some fantasy booking. It's week two of the best and worst of the gimmick matches, and this has got loads of people involved. I've got mine to give you in a moment, but let's run through some of the ones we didn't get to last week. Uh, this is Scott. He says, Jack and Charlie, no words needed for the best or worst gimmick match of all time. I'll let you choose. Custody of Dominic Mysterio ladder match. It could easily fall into either category. I think... I chat about the Custody of Dark Mysterio ladder match at least weekly. I chat about that weekly too to someone who doesn't know about it and I feel they need to because I just, I just, sometimes I struggle with WWE sensibilities. Of it. Just who, how were we, and we did all believe it in a way. How did, I mean, just imagine that, right, there's a custody battle. We could go to the courts. We could use the lawyers. Or, and hear me out here, we could stick a contract for his custody above the ring and Ray and Eddie could have a ladder match for it. And someone went, and they went, yeah, that'll, that'll keep the court fees down, actually. We, have, we can't really afford a long, drawn-out uh, court battle. We'll have that. It, it is my guilty pleasure in wrestling. I, I won't have bad words said about it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's just bonkers, but isn't, isn't that what wrestling is? Isn't that wrestling in a nutshell? I love the idea as well that after that match, um, Ray goes home with Dominic, and then the next day someone comes and knocks at the door and says, you know none of that counts for anything. You know none of that's legally enforceable. And they're going, 
And then we did a ladder match. We climbed. I did a sunset powerbomb off the top. Vicky came in. He's my sir. kid. He's my kid now. Yes. No. So, so this isn't how, how things are settled. Um, I think that has to go into best because of how iconic it has become. And it introduced not only Dominic Mysterio, but Vicky Guerrero into WWE storylines for the first time. Yeah, and how brilliant was Vicky as just yeah. a character for the next however many years. So yeah, for me, I'll, I will have a bubble about the Custard match. Okay, Stephen uh, says cell matches uh, were incredible as a kid, especially any ones with mankind. Um, I'm putting them up there, but I also think I have to put ladder matches in. I think they're amongst the very first gimmick matches in WWE, which they were. I think ladder matches have to be not only the best gimmick match in WWE, but the best gimmick match in wrestling, even though it's not on my list, because every promotion has done them. I think we had that conversation last week, so that definitely counts. Uh, this is Andrew as well, who says, hard to beat a ladder match in some form, TLC or Money in the Bank. Uh, that's got to be up there for me. I think everyone uh, on a previous episode had TLC2 in their best Mania matches. Basically, you're guaranteed to have crazy moments, and it lends itself more to flyers, who I generally prefer over power guys to shine uh, i would say though and this is i think what you said charlie uh, a rumble match when done well may be wrestling at its absolute best plenty of stories within a match fast-paced action putting a spotlight on newer faces and of course the surprises it has to be up there a great rumble typifies pro wrestling and goes right up there with anything yeah i, I said last week rumble's my favorite I think ladder matches are probably the most important and saw the rise of the gimmick match. I think without ladder matches, I'm not sure how many gimmicks we would have, really. I think it was it was the first, and obviously it was such a success, and it's then given credence to so many brilliant matches, like you say, TLC, Money in the Bank. Um, so ladder matches are hugely important, but I quite enjoy that they're not on your list, they're not on mine. Yeah, and, and mine, I've gone at this differently because i i wanted to bring in some different picks okay so i'll do my best and then i'll do my worst ones um for best i love war games no one said war games yet i'm surprised you didn't say war games if for nothing else than william regal going war games war games it's got to be on there right war games is brilliant war games is brilliant i tell you what i struggle with a little bit war games is that that first 20 minutes that don't count where it's like, everyone's just kind of be like, oh, yeah, I, I love war games. I do. I do. Um, I think it's very good. Just didn't make my top three. But I do really enjoy war games. And sorry, I do really enjoy war games. One of my concerns with NXT 2.0 is, are we going to see a war games again? Or has that sort of gone to the wayside? Because they weren't doing it on the main roster. It was an NXT thing. Obviously, yes, NWA, WCW, independent people did it. But in terms of WWE, it was an NXT thing. I hope we carry on, but I'd also like to not just see it because it's uh, November. Mm. Uh, it's always in the same. It's always been Takeover War Games and Survivor Series. I'd like the surprise of those two factions feuding, and we just throw War Games in in February, or we throw it in in summer. Like, don't give me War Games because of the time of year. Give me War Games because the story dictates we need it. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's true of any of these gimmicks. Gimmicks are best when they're needed, not because it's a certain time of the calendar. Uh, I'm going to throw in Iron Man matches. I really love an Iron Man gimmick at the right time. Some of the best matches of recent years, in my opinion, have been Iron Man matches, including that Brock-Kurt Angle match on SmackDown on free TV. I'm not sure wrestling gets much better than that. And you've got to throw Sasha and Bailey in for the yes. first Iron Woman match. Unbelievable. And when 
they can be boring when done badly is the one thing I'd say with that match. You get two people who can't carry a 30-60 minute match, then it's not good. You get it done right, and when the drama at the end of the time are counting down, love it. Brilliant. And it's just what Kenny and Dan- um, Danielson need to do, isn't it? That's what we need. We need a 60 minute Ironman match. Do and we just- though? Because I'd I, like I'd like one fall to a finish. I'd like no time limit, just one fall. As as I'm going against myself here, because I love an Iron Man match. In this particular case, I'd like their first conclusive finish to be just a straight up wrestling match, no time limit, first fall wins. Yeah, I can see it. I'd like an Iron Man match. Can we have both, Tony Khan? Can we have one of each? Can we do one and then the other? So that's well, on my list. We we need a trilogy, don't we? So yeah, I reckon so. Um, here's here's a really obscure one that I absolutely loved. And unless someone can correct me, I think WWE busted this out for one night and one night only and never went back to it again. And that is the championship scramble match. They did because Brian Kendrick was an interim champion for about 11 minutes or something, wasn't he? He was, he was technically WWE champion. Yeah. Now, if you if you're not familiar with this, I think... I think it was Unforgiven 2007, and they did three championship scramble matches for the ECW title, the WWE title, and the World Heavyweight title. And the way they worked it was, I think, a 20-minute time limit. The title was up for grabs, and if you pinned someone, you were the reigning champion. And it was basically like tag. It was it. And if you could hold on to the end without being pinned or submitted, or you were the champion. And I loved that format. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's actually, I don't know why they've never done it again. Because it's different, it's exciting, it's on the edge of your seat, because, yeah, there's so much storyline to turn that, of, of course, there's only the six men and six men or six women in the match, but there's only one who's got the target on his back. Yeah, I don't know why they've not gone back to that. It's strange, because it does hold a bit of place in wrestling folklore. People enjoy it, people talk about it. Why, why would you not use it again? Because you've, oh, wow, you've used some bad gimmicks since then. So yeah. why has that not come back into the conversation? It had everything I loved. Jeopardy, timing, one fall, and then another fall. A bit. It, it sort of combined Iron Man, uh, Rumble, everything. I just loved it. I thought it was great. And I and particularly the WWE Championship one with the Brian Kendrick. I think MVP was in there, Triple H, Jeff Hardy, when Jeff Hardy was just getting hot. And I think Hardy was on the verge of becoming champion. And then they just snatched it away from him. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. So I'll tell you best. one. I'll tell you one that they haven't used. They've only used twice. And it came in the pandemic. And I, in the right people and right time, I really enjoy. And I hope we see more of is NXT's fight pit. Mm. I really enjoyed that when you've got people who have a fighting background and you can only win by KO submission. And it's like a steel cage, but with things on top of it that you can walk on the wall. I really enjoyed that. That just made me think of that then, of ones they've hardly used that I enjoyed. I really like the fight pit. And I really like that, like, Timothy Thatcher is, like, king of the fight pit. Yeah. Um, I had the story there. Sorry, that just jumped in my mind then. I've just no, it's up. great. No, no, it's, it's, and I think, actually, because I could have shot fish in a barrel with TNA for the worst gimmicks. One thing I will say is, is that TNA in 2006 at lockdown had a brilliant cage match between Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle where they embraced MMA. And that was, we were talking about good cage matches versus bad cage matches last week. I wanted to throw that in there. Now, worse gimmicks, you went down the route of sort of one-off gimmicks, things like that. So I'm, I'm going to go for regular gimmicks that I just can't stand. Number one, handicap matches. I yeah. can't stand a handicap match. I've never seen the point of them. Have you ever bought a pay-per-view because there's a handicap match on it? No. Simple as. I've never gone, oh, 
Can't wait to watch those two people fight that one person. No. Get rid of it. Don't need to be having handicap matches in this day and age. Number two, beat the clock challenge. Oh, boring. Don't like it. Yeah, but do you remember when Eugene won Kurt Angle's gold medal? Because he did beat the clock. He lasted long enough. And then we had, we had, well, we then had a horrible two-month storyline of Kurt Angle effectively beating up a special needs person. So yeah. it, didn't, it didn't build any good. But in that moment, I couldn't believe it. Because I was at that point there where I still thought wrestling was real. So I actually thought Kurt Angle had lost his Olympic gold medal and I was heartbroken for him. I saw it the complete wrong way. I should have been happy for Eugene. I was gutted for Kurt Angle. There's probably an episode to do on Eugene and gimmicks that you just wouldn't do in 2021. But okay, and now again, maybe I'm contradicting myself because didn't we get the Shawn Michaels, Shelton Benjamin super kick? Goldrush challenge. Yeah. It was in the Goldrush tournament. Uh, Okay. It was in a tournament, not a challenge. That was was a tournament match. Phew. So you're okay. okay. But yeah, I don't I don't like them either. They 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 yeah, they I you focus too much on the time and the wrestling. Anything that's taking my attention away from the wrestling isn't doing its job, I don't think. It should enhance the wrestling, not distract me from it. And last but not least, and this may be controversial, because there have been some really good ones of this. If ever a match is announced as a last man standing match, I die a little bit inside. I'm not a fan. Really? Yeah, don't like him. Don't like, and there have been good ones. I remember the 2003 Royal Rumble, Shawn Michaels against Triple H had a cracker. They're good to get you draws to build triple threats, but it's just the count and the cadence eight minutes into a match where you know it's not going to end. I just, I'd rather have near falls. I'd rather have traditional, if the point of this is, does the gimmick enhance or hurt a match? For me, I'd rather have a traditional match. Yeah, they're not brilliant. I don't hate them. Um, the last great one I can think of was Gargano and Champa at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, I want to say, 3 or 4. That was a good last one standing, and it had a clever finish where Champa gets to his feet by like rolling off uh, the stage onto it. But yeah, I can see why you don't like them. I don't ha- love them. I don't hate them. Okay, so that's the best and the worst of the gimmicks. Now, do you want to set us a little topic for the next couple of weeks, Charlie? Do you have something for us? I do, and you're not going to like it. I don't think you're going to like it. Because this came to me this morning on my morning walk. Mr. Murley, Mm -hmm. I would like you to book the breakup of the New Day. Oh, no, I'm really keen to do this. Okay, Okay, I really want to break the New Day up. So I need to put on record, I don't want the New Day to ever break up, but I'm fascinated to hear how you do it, how our fans would do it, because it's one of those questions, isn't it? It's one of those things where I think we've all considered it, we've all thought about it, and whether you want it or not, there are very interesting ways you could do it, especially what's going on with them at the moment. So I would like you to be sour. I would like you to not Not clap. (laughs) clap your hands, and I would like you to not feel the power because it's the end of the new day. Yes, it is. So, okay, that's a fantastic topic. Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley, emails to earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. Genuine question. Would you, because you'd never have ended the streak. You'd never have done it. You've been on record saying that. I think I'm the same. I would never have done it. Would you never break up the new day? Because some people, uh, Darren, who listens to this podcast, has said, I never, ever, ever break them up. Would you? I can't can't say never because you never know what's going to happen and when it might make sense. As of right now, there has never been a point where I would have, and I wouldn't right now. I think it's very rare to have a group that are just 
properly good mates and properly happy for each other and properly just want each other to do well. And you don't get that in wrestling ever. And I think it's rare. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a great thing. And we enjoy it more because we're not worrying about when they're going to break up. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be the right thing to do at some point because I don't think you can say... I don't, I don't think you can say I would never have ended the streak until the streak was broken. You can look back at it and then take retired. So until the new day finished, I don't think you can say whether you would whether it was the right or wrong thing to do. But as of right now, there is no point where I think they've missed an opportunity. There's no point where I think, oh, I wish they'd done it then, if that makes sense. Well, Vince, if you're listening, we're going to have some ideas for you next week. Breaking up the new day. Wow. Everyone in wrestling has opinions. That's what makes being a wrestling fan so special. So... Don't be shy, get involved with this show. You can tweet Charlie underscore Beckett or Jack underscore Murley, and you can email earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. And while you're doing that, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to get new episodes delivered fresh wherever you listen every week. Okay, let's send something back to developmental from everyday life and let's give something the push. We have done everything on this from club cards to uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals to Taylor Swift to good comfortable slippers. By the way, there was a lot of um, dislike for my position on club cards last week. I, I, mm. I, lots of people saying, get on board the club. To, to misquote Godfather, get on board the club card train. Um, mm. You were perfectly in the right there. Yes, thank you. I think you, you, um, that was the start of your heel turn. The, the masses are going to turn against you. First or second this week, what do you want to do? I'd like to go first because I've got a rant. Okay, you rant away. Well, I'm going to do my nice one first. So, earn the push this week is the Blunsdon House Hotel in Swindon um, because it was my better half's birthday this weekend just gone. And we went to that spa hotel and they were brilliant. The staff were lovely. Uh, brilliant rooms, lovely grounds to walk around. Great hotel, hotel breakfast are one of my favourite things in life. Oh yes, yes. What and did they did have? a great everything, everything. I had cereal, then I had full English and all the cooked stuff, and then I had the pastries and the fruit. I had everything. Did they um, know that they were getting a professional rugby player when you booked in? Because you know, <laughs> you know the way that people's eyes would bug out of their heads sometimes when they see someone return in wrestling. They look up the yeah, ramp and there's yeah, Undertaker. Yeah. I'm imagining that the waiting staff at the breakfast buffet the next morning. No, oh my they, God. they knew by the time I'd left and I drank the dry of coffee as well. Um, we then used their spa facility, which were lovely. And then we had afternoon tea uh, for her birthday. So big push to that hotel. They were brilliant. They couldn't have been better. So there's my push. Back to developmental are the morons hoarding petrol right now. The absolute idiots. And I blame you for this, you for this Mr. Murley, because you started talking about petrol last week. You were like, I just go where it lives. Well, at the moment, it doesn't live anywhere. At the moment, it's living in people's jerry cans in their bloody garages, and I can't get any in my car to go to work. More important than the fact that I can't find any is ambulances can't find any. Like, oh, critical services who need petrol can't get any at the moment. Because idiots, the same idiots who were hoarding toilet roll in the first lockdown, the people whose job it is to know these things have come out and said, there is no shortage. Don't worry, there is plenty of petrol. We just don't have the drivers getting as quickly as usual at the moment, but please don't hoard it. And the brilliant British public have gone, ah, no, we know better. I've seen people with my own eyes filling up one litre plastic bottles of water with petrol. On social media, I've seen someone double bagging plastic bags and filling it up with petrol. What are these people doing and how? How can you live with yourself being so selfish? Stop it. 
The opinions of Charlie Beckett, not of me. I'm strictly impartial in these matters, as you know. Although I will say it's nice to be blamed for yet another of the world's problems. As a gay man, I'm usually blamed for flooding, climate change and this natural one has, disasters. This one has nothing to do with the fact you're gay. This is because this, you started This one. This, this one. one. <laughs> None of them do. All the rest of it. But this one especially. (laughs) Even the most redneck homophobes are not blaming you for this one on the petrol. This is because you started talking about it last week and been like, oh, I just go wherever it lives. Well, as I said, now it lives nowhere. Well, I'm sorry. I I clearly have more power than I thought. Um, Mine will be far less controversial. Actually, I don't know. Sending back to developmental, vigil. I'm sending it back to developmental. And the you reason haven't is, even you haven't watched it. I know. You, you've fact, done this thing again. You did it with Line of Duty where you you very you did a very good pun on Twitter. You said you missed the boat with Vigil, which I didn't go under the radar. Well done. Or the sonar in this case. Just watch it and don't get annoyed that your other half is watching it and wants to talk to you about it. Because you know what? It's really good. Yeah, but I am I am I'm using vigil as an overarching term for any slightly dark BBC drama on a Sunday that everyone gets into and I don't watch because I don't want dark things on a Sunday. And, and everyone's, oh, it's a water cooler talk. Have you seen Vigil? Have you seen Line of Duty? Who's H? Does Saran Jones live or die? Blah, blah, blah. What for the British public who don't want their Sunday nights watching people get murdered in various places across the UK, why can't we have a nice drama where everyone lives and it's lovely so I can watch? You work for the BBC in your life. Maybe you write one. Jack Murley's lovely Sunday drama where everyone lives. Why does everyone think, oh, I've had a lovely weekend, had a lovely roast, we've watched the football, nine o'clock, I wonder who Jed Mercurio or his ilk are murdering in a dimly lit submarine tonight, and I can't wait to talk to people about who might be murdered next. I just want a bit of non-murdery stuff on a Sunday. If you want that, I'll tell you what I've watched back in the last few weeks, because I've put Vigil on five minutes early, because I don't want to miss the start, is the end of Antiques Roadshow. And at the end, they always tell someone they've got something that's worth loads and they're buzzing. Like two weeks ago, some woman had what she thought was um, a Chinese art costume from a local school play, and it was worth a quarter of a million. That'll make you feel good. There's no greater lie in life than the lie of the person who goes to the Antiques Roadshow exclusively to get something valued, and then when told it's valuable, goes, no, we'll keep it in the family, yeah. I think. We just yeah. want it to know. That is on eBay the moment yeah. they are on their way out of the estate. Um, hopefully less controversial. Uh, giving a push, slow cookers. The joy of a good slow cooker. Do you use a slow cooker? I don't, but I need to, because everyone who does tells how brilliant they are. And any time I eat something out of a slow cooker... I'm always like, oh, that's good. But I tell you the one thing I don't enjoy with a slow cooker is that then the next 10 minutes of conversation are about just how many hours that thing was in the slow cooker. Yep. Oh, eight hours I've had this in. I don't really care. Can I just enjoy it? Let me tell you, Charlie, you're a little younger than me. It will happen to you. There is a point in your life where everyone around you starts talking about slow cookers and you go, well, this is really boring. This won't happen to me. And I was the same. And then I got a slow cooker And now I talk to everyone about slow cookers and I Google slow cooker recipes and I post about slow cookers and you just go native. You just go through the looking glass and it's going to happen to you. Well, I'm going to give a cliffhanger on something like that for what I'm doing tomorrow. And you'll all want to hear about it next week. Tomorrow, I am picking up my first ever shed. (laughs) You're not really. Yes, I've just we've just moved house. I've got a garden for the first time in my life. 
and I need a shed. So I found one on Facebook Marketplace. I've hired a van. I'm taking a friend to go and dismantle it and pick it up. And next week, my new shed will either be earning the push or I imagine might be sent back to developmental. What is the shed going to be? Because I am also moving house and also getting a shed, but I want oh. the shed to essentially be a place I can escape with things I like in. Is yours going to be a practical shed or a Charlie Man Cave? Well, one, is there a new podcast for me here? Shed Talk. Two, hi, I'm Charlie Beckett and welcome to my Shed Talk. And two... A load of old shed. Yes, there's a lot going on here. Um, we'll talk about off-air about that. And two, I'm not 100% sure yet. There are things that need to be kept in it. There is the lawnmower... I want to get into my garden a bit more. I think I might like to do some gardening. So I've got some tools that need to go in there. But also I've got I've got an armchair that we've worked out doesn't fit in the house. So my, <laughs> it, the room I thought it was going to fit in, it doesn't. Like it takes up too much of the room. So maybe that ends up in the shed. Who knows, Jack? That's the exciting thing with my shed. The possibilities are endless. I can see your gimmick now um, with apologies to The Undertaker. Shed man walking. And just the bell goes and there you appear with your hat and your little shed yeah. tools. Yeah. Um, right. Let's bring it back to wrestling. If we still have any wrestling fans listening by this point in the show, um, are we going to see Finn Balor somehow insert himself into the Brock Roman Reigns build for Crown Jewel? I don't think so. I think that's staying as Brock Roman. I think it should. Um, I think the story is too good there with Paul Heyman in the middle of it. I don't know what Finn does next, but they need to capitalise on... He's probably the hottest he's been in a long time right now. You need to capitalise on that somehow. How? I don't know. Well, we shall see all of this and more coming up next week. As always, thank you for joining us. Uh, more and more people listening every week, which is what it's all about. If you are a wrestling fan and there has never been a better time to be a wrestling fan, share the love, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen, put a post on social media, get in touch, Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. We will see you again next week when we'll do it all again. But until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.